listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in your podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed your good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 354, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 688 to 695. 688. To these mysterious celebrations of the Feast of the Lord and of herself, the Great Queen in the course of the year added others for her special jubilee and devotion, namely one in honor of the holy angels and one in that of the saints. In order to celebrate the excellences and holiness of the angelic nature, she prepared herself for some days by exercises, such as mentioned for some of the other feasts, adding new songs of glory and praise and retracing in them the work of the creation of the angels, and especially their justification and glorification, with all the mysteries and secrets known to her, of all of them, and of each one in particular. When the day she had assigned for this feast arrived, she invited them all. Many thousands of the celestial choirs and orders descended and manifested themselves in wonderful beauty and glory in her oratory. Then forming two choirs, one of which was Our Lady and the other all the supernal spirits, the Lady and the angels sang songs of celestial harmony in alternate verses during the entire day. If it were possible to make known to the world the mysterious canticles composed in those days by the most blessed Lady and the angels, they would no doubt be reckoned among the great miracles of the Lord and astonish all the mortals. I cannot find words nor time to describe what I have come to know concerning this mystery, for they began by praising the essence of God in himself and in all his perfections and attributes known to them. Then the queen proceeded to bless and magnify him for having manifested his majesty, wisdom, and omnipotence in the creation of so many and beautiful spiritual beings, for having favored them with so many gifts of nature and grace, and appointed them as ministers and executors of his will in the government of men and of all the lower and visible creation. The angels on their part responded by due and thankful acknowledgement of their obligation, and all of them sang to the Almighty wonderful songs of praise for having created and chosen for his mother a virgin so pure, so holy, so worthy of his greatest gifts, and given her command and dominion over all, in order that they might proclaim and honor her as the worthy mother of God and the restoratrix of the human race. 689. In this manner, the supernal spirits rehearsed the great prerogatives of the queen 
and blessed God in her, while she recounted those of the angels for the same purpose. Hence this day was one of admirable joy and jubilee to the queen, and of accidental joy to the angels, especially to the thousand of her ordinary guard. For they participate in the glory given to their lady and queen, as neither on the one side nor on the other there was the obstacle of ignorance, nor any want of the appreciation of the mysteries rehearsed. This interchange of heavenly songs was full of incomparable reverence, and such it shall also be for us when we shall experience it in the Lord. 690. The other festival in the course of the year was that of the saints. For this also she prepared herself with many prayers and exercises of devotion as on other festivals. All the patriarchs, prophets, and the rest of the saints, also those who had died after the resurrection came from heaven, in order to celebrate with their reparatrix this joyful day. She composed new canticles of thanksgiving for the glory of the saints and efficacy of the death of her divine son. Great was the jubilee of this queen on this occasion, because she knew the secret of their predestination, and because, in spite of the dangers of mortal life, they had now attained secure and eternal felicity. For this blessing she extolled the Lord and Father of mercies, and rehearsed in her thanksgiving the favors, graces, and benefits which each of the saints had received at his hands. She asked them to intercede for the Holy Church, and for all those who were fighting its battles and were still encountering the danger of losing the crown. After this she remembered also and gave thanks for the victories and triumphs she herself had attained through the divine power over the demons. Finally, she added new canticles of humble and fervent thanksgiving for herself and for all the souls to be snatched from the power of darkness. 691. It is a subject of astonishment to men, as it was to angels, that a mere creature in mortal flesh should accomplish so many incessant wonders, which would have appeared impossible to multitudes of souls united together, even if they had been as ardent as the highest seraphim. But our great queen certainly participated in something of the omnipotence of God, which made easy for her what, for other creatures, would have been impossible. In these last years of her most holy life, her activity increased as such an extent that there was no cessation or relaxation in her operations so as to exceed all our powers of comprehension. For she was not any more hindered by the mortality and weight of human nature, but operated like the indefatigable spirits, and more than all of them together, and she had become one devouring flame and conflagration of immense activity. To her divine virtues, all her days seemed short, all occasions few, and all her exercises limited. Since her divine love continually tended to exceed all bounds of what she was doing, though that was without limit. In comparison with what her activity was in reality, all I have said is little or nothing. I am bound to confess and assert my deficiency in this regard, because I see an abyss or distance as it were, infinite between what has been shown to me and what I am capable of understanding in this life. If I cannot form an idea of what has been manifested to me, how shall I speak of that which I saw not, since I have no gauge except my own ignorance? Let us beware, lest we make ourselves unworthy of the light which awaits us in heaven, for seeing all in God. For this reward and joy by themselves, even if we receive no other, should make us willing to endure all the labor, pains, and torments of the martyrs to the end of the world. We would be richly repaid by the delight of understanding the dignity and excellence of Most Holy Mary, seated at the right hand of her Son and true God, and raised above all the angels and saints in heaven. Instruction which the great Queen of Angels gave me. 692. My daughter, 
And the measure as thou advancest in the history of my works in life, I desire that thou also advance in the perfect following and imitation of me. This desire increases in me in proportion to the growth of the enlightenment and admiration of what thou seest and writest. It is now time that thou make up for what thou hast so far missed, and that thou wing the flight of thy spirit to the heights to which the Almighty calls thee, and to which I invite thee. Fill thy works with all perfection and sanctity. Remember that the opposition of thy enemies, the devil, the world, and the flesh is most hateful and cruel, and that thou canst not overcome so many difficulties and temptations, if thou do not enkindle thy heart with the most ardent fervor and the emulation invincibly to repel and crush the poisonous serpent, which with diabolical astuteness avails itself of many deceits, either to cause thy fall or to detain thee in thy course, prevent thee from gaining thy end, and make thee unfit for the state chosen for thee by the Lord. 693. Thou must not ignore, my daughter, that the demon keeps a constant minute watch over the least carelessness, forgetfulness, or inadvertence of souls, and that he is constantly prowling around and lying in ambush to avail himself of every negligence, for tempting the incautious to sin, and misleading them by means of their passions, because they had a chance to know the full extent of the wound he tries to inflict. When afterwards they come to know it and desire to rise from their fall, they feel still greater difficulty and need much more abundant graces and efforts to resist the evil and before they fell. In guilt and soul weakens in virtue, the enemy acquires more influence, and the passions tend to become indomitable and invincible. Hence many fall, but not so many rise from their sins. The remedy against these dangers is to live in continual and unremitting anxiousness, to merit the divine grace and ceaseless striving, to do the more perfect, not giving the enemy any chance to find the soul off its guard or unoccupied with some exercise of work or virtue. Thereby, the weight of the lower human nature will be lightened, the passions and bad inclinations will be crushed, the demon intimidated, the soul will be raised up, and will gain strength against the flesh and dominion over the inferior and sensitive faculties, subjecting them to the divine will. 694. In all this thou wilt have a living example in my works, of which thou now writest, and which thou hast seen manifested in such great light, in order that thou mayest not forget them. Attend then, my dearest, to all that thou seest in thy clear mirror. And if thou knowest and confessest me as thy teacher and thy mother, and as the mistress of all holiness and true perfection, do not delay in imitating me and following me. It is not possible that either thou or any other creature arrive at the perfection and excellence of my works, nor does the Lord bind any one to that. But with his divine grace thou canst fill thy life with works of virtue and holiness, and spend in them all thy time and all thy faculties, so that adding exercise to exercise, prayer to prayer, petition to petition, virtue to virtue, thou let no time, no day, no hour of the day of life be bare of good works learned of me. For this purpose I join other works with those necessary for the government of the church, and celebrate the festivals in the manner and with the preparations thou hast come to know and describe. As soon as one is solemnized, I began to prepare me for another, so that not for one moment was my life void of works holy and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. All the children of the church, if they wish, can imitate me, and thou shouldst do it more zealously than the others. This is the purpose for which the Holy Ghost ordained the solemnities and commemorations of my divine Son, and of myself and of the saints recurring in the Holy Church. 695. As I have exhorted thee many times, I wish that thou distinguish thyself by their devout celebration, especially by the celebration of the mysteries of the divinity and humanity of my divine Son, those of my life and of my glory. 
Then I desire in thee a special devotion to the angels, as well on account of their great excellence, holiness, beauty, and ministry, as also on account of the great favors and blessings thou hast received through these celestial spirits. I desire that thou assimilate thyself to them in purity of thy soul, in the exaltedness of thy thought, in the fervor of thy love, and in living as if thou hadst neither an earthly body nor its passions. They are to be thy friends and companions in thy pilgrimage, in order that they may be such also in the fatherland. With them thou shouldst now maintain conversation and familiar intercourse, in which they will show thee the attributes and the tokens of thy spouse, give thee certain knowledge of his perfections, lead thee to the straight ways of justice and of peace, defend thee from the demon, warn thee of his deceits. In the continued teaching of these spirits and ministers of the Most High, thou shalt hear the laws of divine love, hear and obey them exactly. This concludes our reading today for day number 354. We've been reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 16, paragraphs 688 to 695. Throughout our reading of the mystical city of God, we have heard about Our Lady's relationship with her angels, that God has sent her myriad of angels, angels upon angels, that the angels went with her in her journeys, that the angels aided and assisted her, that she sent her angels to people. We heard earlier as well that one of the favorite titles of Our Lady is Queen of Angels. And so I don't think we should be surprised that she celebrates herself a feast in honor of the angels. And we can look at these celebrations of Our Lady that we've heard about in the last several days. And we realize that in these celebrations that Our Lady really is giving a pattern for the church. And we as a church will pick it up and we will celebrate the angels. We will celebrate the saints. So Mary is a great example to us as the church. I thought it was interesting to hear that to her divine virtues, all her days seem short, all occasions few, and all her exercises limited. I think sometimes we say the same thing, but maybe more in a worldly sense. We might say there's not enough hours in the day. And sometimes in the spiritual sense, I say to people, if you want to do every devotion recommended by private revelation, you would need about 27 hours in the day. It's just not possible. But in our devotional life, then we pick and we choose, and maybe for a time there's a devotion, and then we sub that out and put in another devotion. But that's how we engage the spiritual life in days when it seems so short. Our Lady in the reading really talks about taking on prayer, taking on devotion, to make our life a continual prayer. And we work on that day by day. And hopefully when you arrive at the evening, you're able to say, I know that God was a part of my day today. I talked to him. I talked with Our Lady. I honored the saints. And if you come to the end of the day and maybe are not able to say that, well, then you begin to examine, well, when should I pray? Should I pray in the morning? Should I pray in the evening? Should I pray during my lunch hour? Do I drive by a church? Should I stop at the church and pray? How can I sanctify my day? And in sanctifying my day, I sanctify my life. And I continue that pilgrimage then to the kingdom of heaven. We can maybe get bound up a lot in how many prayers have I said today? Let me check my list. But let your prayer 
and your devotion be sincere and authentic. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.